There's the message. Yeah. All right. Okay. Good morning, everybody. It's uh, May 4th, 2023, 9.30 a.m. I'm Phil Albrecht, a hearing examiner for the city of Kirkland. This morning, we are holding a hearing on a master plan amendment application. Uh, through the close of the hearing, I'm uh, required to prepare a recommendation of the city council who will then review the recommendation in a closed record review. The uh, file number here is ZON 22-00. 800. The um, hearing format will be, we'll start off with presentation from staff. We'll give us an overview of what the project is about. And is that, uh, Mr. Levitt, are you the one that's going to be doing the presentation today? Yes, I will. Okay. All right. And then after Mr. Levitt's finished, we'll allow the applicants to chime in and um, uh, give a presentation in support of their project. After that, then we'll get to the uh, why we're here today, which is the public testimony portion of the hearing. And any of you who want to participate today will have an opportunity to do so. And I'll explain how you can uh, get your comments heard once we get to that part of the hearing. After all public comments are done, we'll go back to staff. That'd be Mr. Levitt to answer any questions that were raised, any uh, rebuttal evidence he uh, finds necessary to put into the record. The applicant then gets the final word, and I get uh, about 10 business days to issue a recommendation to the city council, which then will issue that final decision. Now, by state law, I'm only allowed to consider evidence that's put in the record. That way, everybody knows exactly what information is being considered, and you all have a chance to uh, respond and evaluate that information. Mr. Levitt has put together a very detailed staff report that addresses the criteria for approval of a master plan application. And I think, am I allowed to share screen? It looks like I am. Oh, that's a great deal. Let me put that up. Okay, so can you all see now um, what's listed as section six appendices? Is that visible on the screen? Page 11. Yes, it, staff yes it is. Okay, perfect. All right. Okay, so what uh, Mr. Levitt gave to me in advance of the hearing was a staff report, which was supported by uh, what he calls appendices one through 12. As you can see, there's a lot of uh, analysis that went into this project. We've got the staff report itself, the vicinity map, the plans for the project, the development standards that apply, the public comments, and I've read all those, uh, responses from the school district on those comments, SEPA determination, that's the State Environmental Policy Act, that was an environmental review of the project to determine if an environmental impact statement was necessary, and as is uh, fairly common for uh, nominal projects of this size, no, no environmental impact statement was required. Concurrency test memo assesses uh, traffic congestion, parking demand. That is my understanding of the written comments from the public. A major concern was parking, and that's been addressed in that study. Uh, there was also a review done by the city of the study. We also addressed traffic impacts. There was an arborist report on the impact of removal of the trees. And then comprehensive plan map shows uh, the city's planning for uh, uses in that area. So this point, I just want to ask if anyone has any objections to entry of the staff report and these 12 exhibits into the record. If you do object, go ahead and um, hit the, uh, the 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 raise hand button at the bottom of your screen. On your Zoom screen, there should be a little yellow hand, or if you're not muted, just go ahead and say, I object. All right, hearing and seeing no objections, I'll go ahead and admit to Mr. Levitt's staff report and it's 11, or I should say 12 appendices. Mr. Levitt, let me swear in for your testimony. Just raise your right hand. You swear firm, tell the truth, nothing but the truth in this proceeding. Yes, I do. Okay, great. Go ahead. Okay, great. Thank you. Share my screen here. Find my mouse here. Great. Okay, you all see that? Yes. Okay, great. 
Um, so yeah, we are here for the Kirkland Middle School Master Plan Amendments. Um, first, I'll kind of give an overview of the um, existing sites. Um, yeah, so Mr. Levitt, you, you're coming across a little soft on volume. Is that okay. uh, is Mr. Levitt coming up pretty good for everyone else, or can you hear me now? Yeah, okay. actually, it is better. Okay, Thank you. okay, Thank you. I move my microphone closer to my mouth. There. Great, that that helps. Thanks. <laughs> okay, great. Um, so I'll do an overview of the existing site. Um, so the school is located in the North Kirk neighborhood of Kirkland at 430 18th Avenue. Uh, the site is located near a residential single family to the northwest and south. Uh, to the east is Crestwoods Park. The campus contains an existing school building, three parking lots, a vehicle loading and unloading area accessed from uh, 18th Avenue a school bus loading and loading area accessed from 19th Avenue, uh, tennis courts, a track and field area, and a multi-sport play field. Uh, the school has an existing master plan that the city approved back in 2002. Um, the proposed addition, uh, or, sorry, this amendment uh, calls for the building addition to be located east of the existing building. Uh, the 13,656 square foot eight classroom addition will be adding teaching and learning space that will support an additional 200 students at the school. The proposed one story building is located uh, to create a secure courtyard adjacent to the existing school. Um, during the initial public comments period, we had we received four uh, comment letters. Um, some of the issues uh, raised in those letters, uh, one neighbor was raised a concern about the need for the additional classroom space, the reasoning for the addition location, uh, some privacy concerns, and was, has some concerns about the height of the building. Additionally, we had some neighbors express concerns about the existing vehicle drop-off and pickups on the, on the neighborhood streets and impacts to those. Um, also, we had some concerns about staff and visitors using the on-street parking around the school. And um, additionally, we had some neighbors uh, raise some concerns about the impact of the school's open space and the play fields. Uh, specifically, Eric, they were concerned about the removal of the softball and baseball field. And finally, we received a letter from the Duwamish tribe that requested the applicant put in place an inadvertent discovery plan if excavation cuts occur below fill and that if any archaeological work or monitoring is performed that they be notified. Um, in, in the memo, staff provides an analysis and response uh, to, to these issues that were raised uh, by the neighbors. And also uh, the school district uh, provided a response letter to some of the issues, specifically the, the reasons for the additions and, and some of the questions that one of the neighbors had. As far as the master plan is concerned, um, the master plan is a, as uh, the examiner noted, is a process to be approval. Uh, and that requires the city council to approve the project. Um, this is required because the site is over five acres in size. Um, the map, master plan application is required to show um, building location dimensions, uh, roadways and parking areas, um, any utilities on the site, um, any specific land uses um, that are occurring on the site, and finally uh, needs to show landscaping and buffering on the site. Um, staff has reviewed the plans and uh, the previous master plan and the, the, these items have all been addressed as part of those, those submittals. 
Um, as far as zoning requirements are concerned, staff provides a, a deep analysis as part of the uh, staff advisory report on this. Um, but just some of the things that we look at. Um, first is the location, uh, so school location requirements. Obviously, this is an existing school. Um, um, so really, we're looking more at the addition. Um, we looked at the addition as far as the proximity to, to residential. Um, the addition is as far as the setbacks are concerned is 90, around 100 feet uh, from the nearest property line. So the, the building setback is pretty significantly, um, and that's in addition to the, the, the surrounding um, uh, streets that are there that also kind of provide a buffer. Um, so the, the, we didn't find the school location issue, an issue. Um, additionally, we looked at uh, building heights. Uh, the proposed building is under the, uh, the height limits. So this is obviously something that we will uh, verify as part of the building permit when it comes in, but the initial plans show compliance with that. Um, additionally, this, the plans show compliance with the 50-foot setback from, from all property lines. Um, additionally, the, the project was reviewed for compliance with lock coverage. Um, the lock coverage is around 57%, which is well below our 70% maximum. As far as parking is concerned, um, the applicant, uh, so in this case, the parking is established based on a parking demand study. So the applicant submitted that, which was reviewed by the city's traffic engineer, which actually uh, Rochelle Sturette is here today if we have any questions regarding that. Um, but she reviewed it and concluded that um, the parking ratio should be uh, 0.10 spaces per student. Um, based on a capacity of 885 students, the required parking for the site would be 89 stalls, um, and the site currently has 136 parking stalls. So uh, parking was not a, a concern. Um, as far as the uh, on-site loading and um, design and, and location, um, not, none of those are changing. Really, what we looked at as part of this mass, or I'm sorry, as part of the amendment uh, was could the uh, those loading areas accommodate the proposed growth. Um, that was looked at by the um, applicant as part of their traffic uh, impact analysis. And uh, again, the city's transportation air, uh, engineer looked at that and concluded that um, there was adequate um, storage to accommodate uh, pickup and drop off activities on site. As far as uh, site lighting, we, we just have a, some general lighting uh, requirements that the applicant will need to comply with as part of the, the building permits. Um, as far as uh, significant trees, they are proposing to uh, remove some trees to accommodate um, the, the, uh, uh, the structure. And so um, they submitted a tree retention plan and identified the, the trees that will be submitted, or, I'm sorry, will be removed as part of this, this project. And finally, we looked at um, just the, um, the tree, I'm sorry, the fencing requirements for the play areas and those, and just ensure that if any of the construction impacts those, that the, those will be replaced. Um, finally, the, the school district was actually the lead agency in um, as far as SEPA was concerned. So they issued a uh, determination of non-significance uh, for the project. And finally, um, staff did do a traffic concurrency review and concluded that the project um, complies with the city's concurrency requirements. Um, so based on that, um, staff is recommending that the project be approved um, subject to the conditions that we have outlined in the staff advisory report.
Okay, just a, a few questions. Sure. One of the neighbors was concerned about privacy and, and uh, interpreted the um, the the, the, uh, the project plans as involving maybe some windows from buildings that might look onto her property and asked about uh, you know privacy trees. The response from the school district was, well, we'll deal with trees during building permit review. Uh, I don't know, I think that might be pertinent to the master plan review considering the criteria for preserving residential character and public health, safety, and welfare. Uh, I was just kind of curious, I mean, uh, will the city's landscaping standards maybe require, mm -hmm. in your opinion, some, some uh, you know, privacy trees along the south border there when they do building permit review, or is that something that should be addressed now? Yeah, so there was, um, there is no requirement for a um, landscape buffer along that, along that south property line, or along any property line, mm -hmm. basically, that is adjacent to a street uh, per, per the code. However, um, there will be some um, supplemental trees that we would require um, as part of the, there's, there's, within our code, there's some provisions that require um, areas to be landscaped um, that aren't, um, that are kind of open areas that are not, um, I would say, used for other purposes. Um, so that is something that we can we would look at as part of the uh, the building permits and, and see. I mean, do you see? Is there a potential privacy problem there? I mean, it's only really a privacy problem if if students can be looking into you know the living room of somebody across mm -hmm. the street or something. I mean, is that even really yeah. uh, possible in this given the setbacks and that kind of yeah. thing? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, you know, I don't know, I guess, as far as, you know, it could be something, it's a pretty long distance. I mean, you yeah. take into account the setback um, from the South property line. Additionally, the, the right of way, there's some street trees within that right of way that already kind of protect, provide some screen. So I really think it's not a, it's something that's, that's more than likely not going to, going to be an issue just because of those, those, um, existing conditions that are applying and, and again, the setback that they're providing. Okay, okay. Then the uh, the other major neighbor concern was mm -hmm. um, the loading and the unloading areas. And the, there seems to be kind of a difference in perception between what the neighbors are saying and what the uh, the transportation report said that uh, one of the neighbors was saying you couldn't even cross the street. There was so much backup during loading and unloading times. And the uh, transportation report was that, uh, you know, it can accommodate, it. You know the additional traffic created by the increase in capacity. So I, I guess it, I just wanted to question somebody who could maybe interpret the transportation report. Would that be your person, or does the is this does the school district's um, traffic engineer here today? Um, no, I think that that may be something that Rochelle. I'll, I'll give her opportunity okay. maybe to provide right. some, some comments on that. Okay, Ms. Starrett, let me swear you in real quick. If you just raise your right hand. You swear firm, tell the truth, nothing but the truth in this proceeding. I do, yes. Yeah, and then maybe if you could help me interpret um, the traffic report, because it says it's within the 95th percentile, and, and uh, see if I can find it. It's on uh, page 37 of the of the transportation study. I mean, could you kind of, uh, you know, go over what, what that means there? It looks like for the driveways, there's... Uh, um, there's what's called some kind of a, a storage area, which, which my understanding is maybe the parking area along the side of the street there that's that's being used for that, and that, that there's more than adequate space there. Is is that what what the conclusion was? Yeah. So as part of their traffic study, we asked them to evaluate uh, queuing using Synchro, which is a pretty typical traffic analysis software. Mm -hmm. um, so we looked at queuing at the two 
site access driveways. Um, so both, well, I guess it's a one-way driveway loop. So we looked at the stop controlled exiting traffic um, and we evaluated uh, the 95th percentile queue at that one. Um, 95th percentile queue is, you know, a pretty typical measure in transportation engineering because it allows us to plan for a typical queue length, but not like necessarily accommodate the worst possible uh, queue situation. And so, yeah, let me look uh, at their actual numbers again. I believe with the project in the AM peak, which is typically considered, you know, the worst hour for school traffic, um, it was 75 feet. So that'd be like three vehicles waiting to exit the site. Mm. Um, synchro, yes. oh, go ahead. Oh, and so this is all along kind of the side parking. Is there like no parking signs put up there and, and that, that's set up for, for ingress and egress? Um, yeah, so uh, Tony, maybe you or the school district can speak to that a little bit. But my understanding is that vehicles enter the site and there's kind of like the curved um, loop through the parking lot, which serves pick up and drop off. So parents would enter, uh, drop off and pick up along there and then come over to the west driveway and exit the site at that point. Oh, okay. And and you said 95th percentile, is that an adopted standard by the city or is that just kind of like a standard of the industry that that's what's generally considered to be acceptable queue length? Um, I don't believe that's an adopted standard of the city, but it is pretty typical okay. in transportation okay. to use that right. and evaluate that. And then the, the, now the graph there on uh, page 10 says afternoon peak hour. So I take it that's not the five to six peak hour. That's the peak hour for the school drop off and drop in. Okay. Correct. Yes. All right. That's good to know. Thank you. Okay. So look, I mean, according to uh, that, the table 14, that it looks like I mean, it's not even close to taking up the, the storage capacity, right? We're, we're talking about 100 feet of storage capacity, and it's typically less than 25 feet is, is the, the queue length. Is that what's going on there? Um, yeah, so I think yeah. potentially part of this as well is we looked at queuing at the actual egress of the school driveway. Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to more the actual pickup and drop off operations. That's not necessarily something that synchro or a traffic analysis tool is going to really be able to capture that particularly well. Mm. Um, and so I think in our perspective, um, right, that's kind of a limited time condition. We don't have cues that are preventing parents from accessing that pickup and drop off. So we're still allowing them to circulate through the site yeah. Um, there is sufficient parking. So if the pickup and drop off loop is backed up, you know, then parents do have that opportunity to park and let their students out then. Um, and again, these are just, you know, short term uh, drop off operational impacts. They're not things that occur throughout the entire day. And so I think from transportation's perspective, uh, we can accommodate those impacts with what we have. Do you have any idea why there's kind of that difference in perception? I mean, because, you know, according to this table, it's like just three cars queuing up there. Then we have a neighbor saying that it's like, it seems like the whole street or something. I mean, do you have any idea why that would be? Um, I mean, my per my thought is 
um, right? When people live next to a school, right? They see those traffic at the worst times compared to kind of your typical low volume. I think 18th Avenue is like 1,000 to 3,000 cars per day. And so then when you have all of this traffic concentrated into a really short time, I think that maybe magnifies the public perception of yeah, that impact. Okay. okay. Then also, can you address parking? Is that kind of in your bailiwick or is that somebody else? Uh, yeah. yeah, I can address that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because, you know, I do the, I've done a lot of the um, uh, yeah, school well, redevelopments for the Seattle School District and, 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 um, when they do their parking analysis, they really focus on the events and they and they they address that in detail because that and I'm think I'm speculating. I think the reason why that's not considered as much here is in Seattle, the parking is a heck of a lot worse. And when mm -hmm. you have a big event, people who are driving home have to like park six blocks from their home to get back. Is is that why that wasn't considered that significant in this case? Um. Yeah, I think so. One of the things the applicant noted in their parking study is that um, typically middle schools aren't really designed to accommodate all of that event parking on site uh, just because they don't necessarily host events frequently. Um, and so, like, accommodating all of that parking demand as opposed to the more typical um, parking demand from staff and visitors that go to the school on a daily basis. Um, it's kind of a difficult case to make, especially when uh, there is parking in the neighborhood as well. And again, it's kind of those like one-off uh, impacts for limited use. So. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Makes sense. Okay. Thanks for your comments, Ms. Starlet. Really helpful. Thank you. No okay. Mr. Levitt, was there anything else yeah, your staff wanted to present at this time? Uh, no, that that concludes. Our I think that okay, that covers it. Okay, let's move on to applicants. Is there anyone who wants to speak on behalf of the school district? You don't have to, but now is your chance if you wanted to say something. Anybody out there? Yeah, hi, I'm Ina Holzer representing the school district. Okay, let me swear in, Ms. Holzer. Sure. Do you firm tell the truth, nothing but the truth in this proceeding? Absolutely, yes. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, I don't think there's much to add. I think Tony and Rochelle summarized all of the. Uh, the comments that we had. Um, and I will add one thing about the landscaping buffers. We are further working on that to uh, improve the perception of that uh, privacy concern. There are, I think Tony mentioned it, there are currently trees along the south end of that street that already do provide a buffer, but we will add more onto our property to kind of increase that for the neighbors that have that um, the comment. So, Okay. All right. Thanks, Ms. Holzer. Okay, let's move on to public comments at this point. And uh, for starters, I'll just ask, you know, if anyone wants to, and actually, I still don't have anybody on the attendees thing. Is, is that, uh, do we not have any people from the public participating at this point? Correct. We currently don't have any attendees. Oh, okay. Well, I'll just, uh, just to be safe, I'll just ask, does anyone else out there want to make any additional comments at this point? We did get quite a few written ones, so... Oh, that's interesting. I guess everybody's out working today, maybe. All right, uh, Mr. Levitt, any concluding comments? Oops, sorry, no, I do not. Okay, and Ms. Holzer, anything else you wanted to say? Um, no, just thank you to Tony and Rochelle and all the city staff that's been working with us on this project for the past eight months. Okay, perfect. All right, well, thank you all for uh, 
for your efforts on this and it looks pretty like a pretty straightforward um, recommendation for approval you know I, I think a little bit about the privacy issue possibly and and but everything else has been thoroughly addressed so we'll get that recommendation out in the next couple of weeks and uh, um, thanks again for have a great day bye thank you thank you